Hello, everybody. Um, this is Charlie, uh, and it's another podcast of uh, To Hell and Back. And uh, I just wanted to first make a few preliminary comments. Um, first, I'm glad that you're listening. And I've been getting some feedback from various people um, by email, telephone, etc. And uh, I love getting the feedback of what's, you know, not only what somebody finds useful about this, but uh, also uh, any suggestions um, be, uh, of, of what to address in this once you get the flavor of what it, it is. There's been a lot of diversity so far, and I just want to summarize that before I launch into today, which is a little different. Um, I spent some time in the early podcasts. Well, the first two podcasts actually were about uh, sort of hurricane hell in Puerto Rico uh, and, uh, and uh, two sessions on that with somebody from Puerto Rico who'd been through the hurricane. Then I spent some sessions on uh, talking about, um, I just thought, in getting equipped to cope with adversity in life, um, and based on uh, the model and skills and strategies in dialectical behavior therapy, I, I wanted to get out uh, the core mindfulness skills, the power and importance and fundamental nature of observing and describing and participating non-judgmentally and mindfully and effectively uh, these six skills. And so I spent some time on those going in a little more detail than one sometimes does. And then I um, did three, three podcasts uh, about another type of hell, really interviewing Cedar Coons about losing her sister a little over two years ago to suicide. And if any of you do want to uh, tune in to those, go back to those. They're in my website, charlieswenson.com. Uh, I think podcasts number, I think it's seven, eight, and ten. They're numbered, and, and the name of the podcast gives it away. It's pretty, but I thought it was pretty um, moving and uh, amazing uh, how Cedar has coped with all this. Um, and then I did a I did a podcast that I'm going to be following up on today. I did a, I think podcast number nine uh, was uh, talking about the principles of of changing your behavior as getting out of hell. And I just want to put that in the larger context because if it's not seen in the larger context, it seems kind of one-sided. Um, this was the part of DBT and I think the paradigm in life that's more systematic, more logical, more step-by-step. -step. It's how do you solve a problem? How do you change a behavior? How do you step out of hell once you understand better what it's going to take? And so there are uh, principles that I came up with. Uh, I didn't come up with them, but I reiterated them in a book, DBT Principles in Action. And there are five of those that I'm t in the middle of talking about. And that doesn't yet bring in the principles of acceptance, which are just as important. Just can't talk about all of it at once. And so this will sound a little one-sidedly systematic and behavioral change, but it's just as important, especially in uh, certain types of hell, to to really accept things and just wrap your mind around and acknowledge what is, even if it's really painful. And so, and that's a lot what uh, I think Cedar had to, has had to do about her losing her sister. So I'll be going over that next, but not today. And then I'll be going over 
really a set of interesting principles of dialectics uh, that are quite uh, innovative or Im improvisational. They really involve some creativity and some thinking outside the box in order to deal with really, really stuck situations. So um, just imagine that there are these 15 uh, principles, 15 ingredients that I'm going to be talking about for getting uh, through, surviving, getting out of hell, making it more likely that you know that you won't be crushed by suffering, but instead can go through it and 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 come through it and get through the other side and in some cases even thrive. Uh, so that's what I'm aiming for here is to get these things out there. So what I want to do today, rather than just abstractly talk about these five principles again of um, of change, and I I talked about sort of two and a half of them when I did this a uh, couple times ago. But I want to go back and I want to focus on a different kind of hell, the hell of being in a relationship that's not going well, uh, that's not going the way you want to, that's really gotten stuck and there's some stubborn habit patterns. And uh, both usually both parties are unhappy. Sometimes one party's unhappy more than the other one. But you know what I mean. I mean, this is something we can all relate to. This is not a unique situation uh, of just a few people that have this, um, uh, and, and it's certainly, it's, uh, I'm, I'm as uh, deep into uh, this issue as anybody, uh, so uh, I, I, I sort of have a little misgiving of making it sound like I somehow uh, know what I'm doing with this. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about it, and I'm working on it. I work hard on my relationships, but uh, I also am very far from perfect in and then I'm far from uh, working thing everything out. Uh, so I, I sort of think, why listen to me? I mean, who am I to talk? Uh, and if you think that way, I would completely understand that you would think that. And so what I'm just hoping is that by going over things in a certain way, uh, I, as somebody who is on the path like anyone else, uh, might have might might articulate something that would be helpful to you um, in a, even one thing. Um, this is such a complicated topic that, of course, you could see it so many different ways and, and how many books and how many models and theories and everything have been written about what to do about relationships. So it's certainly I don't feel I have some corner on the topic. I just feel like I'm extremely well grounded in the principles and practices of, of dialectical behavior therapy, which is really the world's best evidence-based treatment for people who are uh, suffering uh, and suicidal uh, or self-harming, and therefore it's it's really a treatment worth paying attention to. And I think that Linehan put together uh, a brilliant set of uh, of principles that interact with each other if you understand them. So I'm I am drawing from that as a kind of a, a well to draw from. Um, and uh, what else? That's the main things I wanted to say just in in heading into it. Um, and I wanted to. Um, to then uh, uh, tell you how I want to go about this. I want to go about this, um, and please, I, I hope I don't lose half of the people listening the, after my next sentence. Uh, I'm going to talk to the men that are listening. However, the reason I want to talk to the men has nothing to do with wanting to talk to the men. <laughs> it's a way for me I found as I thought about this, I think it's a more natural way for me uh, to be able to uh, talk about the challenges in a relationship since I am a man 
and I have uh, worked hard as a man in them. I've treated a lot of men. I've had been surrounded by brothers growing up, and I have friends, and I have two sons. And, uh, and it isn't that I don't know something about how women work also, but I really feel like for me it's a bigger, probably an easier thing for me to just launch into this topic from this angle. But the principles are the same principles no matter who it is, I mean, men or, or women, uh, and, and whatever types of relationships, you know, whether they're same-generation relationships, whether they're cross-generational relationships in the family, out of the family. But what I'm going to talk about, just as a way as a way into this topic, is to talk to men about dealing with uh, being um, in close relationships, trying to have long-term relationships, um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't really think they necessarily have to be married. I don't think they necessarily have to be uh, heterosexual. But I'll probably sound that way just because if I get rolling here, uh, I am married. I am heterosexual. And so even though the principles might acry, apply across the board, uh, I don't mean to exclude anybody. Um, and it might be interesting for women listening in, uh, too, just to hear this perspective and uh, and not only that, but to see uh, to, from a from a woman's angle in a relationship, uh, it might be involve a lot of the same challenges. Um, so I just wanted to to alert you that I thought it'd be um, I, it'd be go better for me to just do it this way. Um, okay, so here we go. I'm going to just start out by talking about these five principles, and first I'm going to go through them quickly because I really. You know, if we were, if I was seeing you all in person, I would have in front of you up on a flip chart or a whiteboard or something, just the names of these five things, because they organize my thinking quite a bit when it comes to changing behavior. And so here they are, just again, for those of you who've heard it before, I apologize. But, um, you know, I think the first thing, and without doing this well, all the others kind of suffer. So doing this well is a very big deal. And in uh, the talk I gave number nine on my website, um, I spent a fair amount of time on this topic. And it has to do with determining a direction. What is your goal? What are you trying to change? Um, it, and, and a goal really means to get from here to there, to get from A to B. And to define what B is is very important the more you've got a vague definition of where you're going, the more likely you're not going to get there. Uh, the more clear you are about what you're trying to target, what kind of question you're asking of yourself or of the other person, the more clear the rest of it's going to be and the more likely I think you are to be able to, to make something happen and change. So um, uh, the first thing is really like determine a direction or a goal or in DBT as we call it, a t target target behaviors and, um, and get clear about that. So I'll be coming back to that um, in talking about being in, in relationships. But, you know, it could be that you're in a friendship that you're not happy about. Uh, it's sort of semi-satisfying friendship. And really, if you stop and give it some thought, some deep thought about what is it that's why is this only semi-satisfying? Or is that the best it can be? And what would it be like if it got better? And, and I wonder if I can make it better. And I wonder if by making it better, it means I need to do something different myself, or am I asking the other person to change? Or am I asking both of us to do something different? It's like the clearer you get about that, then the next time you see that friend, 
next time you approach that friend, you've got that in mind, and you're more likely maybe to consider doing something more pointed and focused about, uh, about it, and not just let it drift along in a semi-satisfying state. The second thing, deter after determining a direction, is to generate an initial uh, thrust or force, or in DBT we call it a commitment. Um, and in other places call it commitment, of course. But it, the idea is, okay, now you, if, if you're clear, and if it's a reasonable kind of goal that you're aiming at, jump in with both feet if you can. Find a way to get yourself to go at it 100%. Why? Well, there's even some research on the difference between approaching things with 90% commitment versus 100%. Um, that 10% makes a big difference. You know, it, a, lot of, a lot of stuff falls through the cracks of that 10%. So the idea of deciding, I'm going to do this different in this relationship, or I'm going to uh, ask such and such of this person uh, or this friend or this close relationship, and, and I'm going to go all the way with this. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going I'm to get myself ready to and, 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 and strengthen my commitment like decide, I'm going into this. You know, I get, I've got this one life to live. I've got this relationship. It's a relationship I have now. And if it's your marriage, for instance, it is, it is your relationship. It is your marriage. It is the person you are married to. Whether you fantasize about other people or whether you judge that person or whether you're unhappy with some things and think, oh, gosh, if only this or if only that, this is your person. And so if you can get yourself to uh, jump in with both feet to try to make certain changes, it may be worthwhile. The third strategy or third principle is perseverance. Because, I mean, how many times have we determined a direction? We've jumped in with both feet. We've really worked hard at it. Uh, we've, gone with, uh, we've gone full steam ahead, but we lose that steam after two weeks. And, and next thing you know, you've drifted, and uh, and then we're we're no longer on track with that direction. We're no longer we're not thinking about it as much anymore. We're no longer caught in that surge of energy to get us to change something. And now it's kind of like gone by the wayside. And of course, things drift back to more or less what they were like for a long time. So, I think the question here is, how do you build in what I might call perseverance perseverance enhancers? Uh, things that, that are, are built in from the beginning that help you stay on track, both in terms of direction and force. Then I think the next thing is a big deal. is in, um, I'll call it intelligence, but it doesn't have much to do with ordinary definitions of intelligence. Um, it really just means that um, even if you have defined a clear direction, in, in trying to change something, even if you've generated a lot of commitment at the beginning to do that, and you've built in some way to try to stay on track with perseverance, now you might think, well, I've got all those things, three things going for me. How could this not change? Well, there's lots of ways it could not change because you might apply your energy, your force, your perseverance, and your direction in a direction that doesn't work for the other person or doesn't even work for yourself because you didn't understand that, you know, you don't operate the way you were thinking you operated. The other person doesn't operate the way you were thinking they operate. And therefore, you can think and want something all, all you want. But if you don't work smart, if you don't step back and say, you know, who is this I'm talking to? Gosh, I realize I'm not in this person. I'm not in her shoes. 
I don't see myself from her point of view the way she does. Wow. And she doesn't actually ask for the same things out of life as I do. And you really have to step back and assess, why am I running into trouble in trying to get this to happen? I wanted to have a really good evening with this person, and we went out to dinner, or we did this or that, and it just went bad. We got in the middle of something at dinner, and we got in a disagreement, and we got distant, and it's just like I went back home, and I felt so shitty, and so... It's kind of like, what happened? And that turns out that's a really important question. And the answer to the future of that relationship might lie in the answer to that question. What happened tonight? What happened when we got up the other day in the morning and, and after 10 minutes we were at each other's throats or we didn't talk again for a day uh, or we'd had a big disagreement about something we really don't disagree about and all these things that happen in normal relationships long term. And so I think that intelligence really means having a way of assessing what is getting in the way, what is interfering with this working now that I've thought about the direction I want, I've thought about the changes I'm trying to make, and, and I try to make them and it doesn't work. Why not? So I do think this involves, and we'll come back to it, is uh, some way to assess the factors that are interfering with what you think you wanted to get. Um, and then by assessing them, you come up with a better understanding of the, of the variables that are in the way in, in DBT treatment, which we do this in sessions with people when we're trying to help them change their behaviors that they want to change. I mean, we're, it comes down to trying to uh, of behavior, a step-by-step, link-by-link chain or narrative of a story of behavior where things didn't go the way you would hope they would go. And then you're looking carefully. And I'm going to suggest when I get back to this that that's exactly what could be helpful in our own relationships is that the systematic part of changing is going to be to look systematically at what are the factors that are, where where are the problems, and and therefore, are they things we can do something about? Because then we can put our energy into changing what either behaviorists or Buddhists would call the causes and conditions that maintain a behavior. The causes and conditions are what we need to figure out. What are the causes and conditions of the fact that we repetitively disagree about something that's not a big deal, but it makes us feel bad, or that we detach from each other, or that we hurt each other when we didn't want to? Um, what, what are the causes and conditions of that, which are not sort of obvious, because if they were totally obvious, we might have changed them by now. So we're barking up maybe some of the wrong trees. So there has to be this intelligence process where you not only work hard, but you work smart. You know, I was thinking as I thought about this that, you know, the, the, the Nike saying, uh, the Nike logo, just do it, is very compelling. You know, it sort of involves direction and force and perseverance in some ways, but it doesn't involve working smart. So I sometimes think, well, yeah, just doing it doesn't just do it. I mean, it, it's a nice try. But you have to just do it, and then you have to figure out what you're, what, what's in the way. And then the final thing, so realize right now we've got direction, you've got force, you've got perseverance, you've got intelligence, which is a complicated one, uh, and then you've got to know how to do what you're going to try to do. Like, uh, t- And I'll call that technique here, but it, it sounds a little too technique as a term to me, but it's just kind of having the skills, having the means, having the ability to do 
that what you need to do to make things better. I mean, maybe what you need to do to make things better is something that's not in your repertoire or isn't very strong. You know, maybe you need to get better at actually listening to somebody. Maybe that hasn't been your strength. Or maybe validating somebody when you do listen to them so they feel understood. Maybe that hasn't been your strength. Or actually saying what's in, in your mind about what you want. Maybe that's not something you've learned how to do very skillfully. And, and there's a multitude of these things um, that are, that are uh, all over the world. But in DBT, there's you know, over 100 skills in the skills manual. And they are these exact kinds of things. What to do when you are irritated with somebody and you don't want to get into a fight right now. You don't want to, be, you don't want to come across as irritable. What should you do? I mean, that's a tricky situation, and there are ways to do that. So do you have the techniques you need, or do you need to go and get them, or get help with getting them, or get some coaching in doing them? So that introduces it. Um, and I want to just keep moving, because uh, now I'd like to jump into them and get more into the nitty-gritty of the tr of, of, of of being in a, in a relationship or to, talking as if I'm talking to a man or men in a relationship. So let's say this, and we're going back to, the, to direction, directionality. Your, what are your goals and how important it is to arrive at this? Just imagine your own situation in this, whether you're a man or a woman. But you're, you're in a relationship. You've all been there. We've all been there. You might not be there now. I hope you're not. But you know what? You might be. Um, and you're in a relationship and you're at a stuck point. There's a certain version of hell. It might be hell with a capital H or a small H, but you're in it. You're in, you're suffering. You're in pain about this relationship and it doesn't seem easy to change it. What should you do? Well, I think you need to ask, what's the problem? Uh, let's say you're a man who feels. If, you can't, if I said to a man, well, what, what is the problem in the relationship? Let me try to help you with this. Let's see if we can figure out a direction for you. And you say, well, I'm not loved. I'm not loved the way I want to be loved. You know, or I don't, I don't get the kind of affection that I want to have in a relationship. Um, I get criticized too much by her, you know, or, or she's too distant and she's too busy. Um, she doesn't have time for me. There's the kids and there's other things and she used to have time for me and now it's really disappointing and, and I get really mad at her. And, uh, or maybe you'd say she's, she's depressed, you know. I don't know why she's, she has everything she needs and she has me and everything and, and she's depressed and she just doesn't get herself to do very much anymore. Or she's way too anxious. She has to, everything has to be perfect and everything's tense and, 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 and nobody can get out of step around here and, you know, in other words, it boiling down to, and by the way, I don't mean to be suggesting that this is the actual profile. I could have made up 40 profiles like this out of just relationships that I've had and, and myself. And, um, but I think it's not an unusual one to say that a man uh, wants to, uh, not just a man, but uh, anybody, wants to have an attentive, uh, loving, adoring partner. Uh, who you uh, who you feel and know will make you happy and who seems like they're invested in making you happy. I mean, who doesn't want that? Whatever that, it'll be different profiles for different people, but it's like everybody wants that. So when you're in a relationship for a while, you know, you just can't always keep that up, um, even if it started that way. So, of course, you're now, now you're in a place where it's not like that, and actually maybe it's far from that. 
you know, now, now think about this, though. Let's say you're the man, and I'm talking to you, and I'm going to say, well, look, in your marriage, the very person you were just talking about, she, I think she has her complaints, too, about you. You know, maybe she thinks you're a slug. Maybe she thinks you're a slob. You know, maybe she thinks you're disgusting and you don't take good care of yourself. Uh, maybe you're frightening. Maybe you're aggressive and intimidating and, and controlling and she's actually scared of you. Uh, and you don't understand that because you don't think of yourself as that way. Or maybe, you're de maybe she would complain that you're detached, you know, that you're obsessed with your work, you're obsessed with your thinking, you're obsessed with your phone, you're obsessed with your video games and your television and your newspaper and actually you know you you're not just there your your brain is somewhere else when she's right next to you when she's with you and so she she feels like you care more about you know other things and other people and she's low on the priority list and of course she's then hurt and and then builds up resentment too and 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 may feel that you're too critical and that you don't understand how to be romantic and how just to... So there's all of these complaints that get going in both directions. And, um, and this is the, where it gets to. And then, then you say about that, but Charlie, I mean, maybe I am some of those ways that she said. But I wouldn't be if she was adoring and she was loving and she was affectionate and she was forgiving and she was just kind of there with me and willing to let me be me. I mean... And then this goes back and forth. I mean, this discussion is the way it, it goes. And say, yeah, okay, so let, there's nobody blameless in, in this situation that I'm describing. There's two unhappy people trying to have their needs met, and, and they are not unusually uh, running in, uh, they're going down a tunnel, and the tunnel's getting narrower, and they're getting stuck the further along they go, and how do they get out? So, so what to do? So I'm, if I'm talking to this man, I then say, well, look, there's, there's three things you could work on. You could tell me what you think needs to change about her behavior, and we could work on what it's going to take to change her behavior, to change, get her to change her behavior. Secondly, you could work on your own behavior, the things that she's unhappy about or the things that might make a difference, things in your behavior that are habit patterns, and change those. Uh, or third, you, we could work on the transaction between the two of you, like in a couple's therapy or something, or just, you know, as a couple. You're going to work on the transaction between the two of you because you want a certain kind of transaction that goes well, and that's a different goal. Fortunately, though, all three of these change if any one of them changes. So, you know, if you change one of you, the transaction changes. And then it changes the other one. Uh, so in a way, that's very good news because, um, because then, then you can decide, well, it isn't like there's the right way to go here. It's like, where should I start? What should I try to change? And those of us who've been in relationships for a long time or in, and in and out of relationships a lot, it's like, you know, you, you've done all of these. I'm sure of it. Um, but where do you start? And I'm going to tell you, all other things being equal, start with yourself. Unless there's some really reason you can't do it that way. Uh, and it may require a leap of faith because it's kind of like who's going to make the first move towards trying to change in a way that might be good for the other person. 
knowing that this can't happen without it changing the whole transaction. So this requires, though, if I'm talking to you guys, temporarily putting aside your assessment of her as somebody who's making you unhappy. It's like that already is part of the problem. If that's your main, if you cannot put that aside for a little bit, just put it on the shelf. You don't have to put it away. Believe me, it'll come back. It'll come back through the back door if you push it out the front door. It'll be there. But the idea is, hey, if you're going to work systematically on changing something, why don't you change yourself first and the things and see, because there's a lot of reasons to do that. For one thing, um, you have more you, you know, you may think you do. I, I think you usually have, uh, if you can see things clearly, you have more chance of changing yourself than changing the other person. Um, because with the other person, you, you just aren't in their head. And, and, and no matter how well you think you know them, you aren't them. And they have to agree to change. And they have a whole different view of themselves from the inside than you do from the outside. So you you can see yourself and try to make some changes and run into your own brick walls and then try to negotiate those brick walls and make changes yourself. And if you make changes yourself, there could be significant payoffs. But I'm suggesting that's one one valuable thing about starting with yourself. Another one just is the the level of generosity and compassion in it. It's saying to the other person, look, I recognize that I'm here for you. I want to be here for you as much as I want you to be here for me. And I'm going to start uh, I'm going to move in this direction. And, 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 and I, this it doesn't mean if you're going to change yourself that that means you're more the culprit or you're more wrong. It's really just a matter of being effective. Like where, where are you going to get the most bang for your buck in changing this relationship that's kind of in hell? And I'd say, if you, you know, if you can get yourself to do it, it does require a certain non-judgmentalness, uh, a certain putting aside some defensiveness and saying, okay, I'm sure I'm not perfect. I'm sure that there's some kernel of truth in what she's saying about me. And so let me try to change certain things if I can. You can still validate yourself. You can still start out by saying, you know, but I'm this way because of this and this and this and this. And you could tell a friend and the friend would say, of course you are. I get it. Of course you're that way. I mean, but that doesn't mean you have to go parade that as your first statement in trying to change your relationship. You, you, you might have to get that validation in yourself or from someone else rather than from your spouse at that point, right? So if you can, I suggest stepping outside of your own wise blaming self and consider what changes you can make, things that she wants. You know, be the change initiator. And then, um, um, so how would you um, go about that? So we're now moving towards getting a direction. And I would say this about that. Um, what is it you should change in your own behavior? Well, I would say brace yourself for what I'm going to say next. Because I would say find out from her, this very person that you're resentful of right now, this person that you think is the one that's making you unhappy in life, how, how unnatural it must seem to go say to her, hey, I'm trying to think of how to change my behavior in ways that would make things better for you and between us. And so, so can you tell me the things that would make the most difference to you uh, if I were to change? 
And here's what you have to be ready for at that point, because there's a buildup of, of mutual resentment. You know, she's going to tell you, oh, as if you don't know. Or she might tell you, but, but I've told you this a hundred times and nothing has changed. Or she's going to tell you, you know, you've heard it for years. You should know it by now. And uh, what's the point? And you're going to have to be ready for that because um, if you open yourself up, if you're going to be the one to make yourself more vulnerable and more willing, uh, you're going to hear that. And if she were the one, she might go the other way. So it isn't like, you know, one is, one is better than the other, but it's sort of a natural thing once there's a built-up sense of resentment. So, But then I would say, no, stay with it. You know, in DBT, there's a skill called broken record. It's when you're asking for some something from somebody. It's kind of like, don't go there. Don't go in. Don't go below the belt. Don't don't hit back and say just at the moment when I say I'm going to try to change you 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 show no interest and you give me a hard time, you know now you're you're just you're back in the same place you were. You really have to be ready to be on target and in finding what your target's going to be at this point. So it's really asking for facts. What you want to get is not oh you're such a jerk or you don't no you want to say okay I'm a jerk but could you get down to the details. Like, remind me, because I already know these things, but I want to know right now, because I'm trying to give a fresh start. What are the facts of the matter? What's the description? What are the details? Give me examples, please. Please, please, please. Just let, let, let me hear. And I'm going to just try to hear the facts of it. Um, and then try to, uh, even to the point where you just uh, determine, I, I am not going to get into a fight about these things. I might disagree about some of them. What I'm listening for is 10 to 15 to 20 minutes of listening and then saying, you know what? When now that I ask about more details, she is right. You know, when I come in the door before dinner, when I come home from work, I really am in my own head. I'm filled up with the day. Um, I'm ready to come unload and I get in the door and I'm asked to do four things within one minute. And it's just when I actually need a break. And so, you know, that, and, and, and so it's understandable, you know, and, and then she, so then what you might hear from her is when you come in, you are such a jerk. You know, we've been here all day, me with the kids, and we've been doing this, or I've been working just as hard as you've been working. And then you come in and think everybody should just like be quiet or cater to you or let you have a break, but none of us get a break. You know, and so then you're back into it again, right? I mean, it's very hard to stay out of these things. And so uh, if you ask for these details and facts, be ready to feel defensive. Notice the defensiveness, but then take in the facts and realize, you know, yeah, if you were her, yeah, what's it like to have somebody come home in that state of mind? I mean, maybe there's some planning that needs to be done. I mean, once we get to the part about intelligence, uh, and determination and, or force, I mean, maybe you actually have to decide there's going to be three things I'm going to try to change now that of, of all the things I've heard from her. And I'll get into why you'd pick certain ones. But let's say you decide, I'm going to change how I arrive home. And that may seem like a small thing, but actually when there's a habit pattern that both people know every day for years and years, it's not a small thing if you actually change it. And it's and again you change it to the next day and and you stick to that it's sort of something the other person after a while thinks oh my God he really changed 
I didn't believe he could change, but he actually changed how. So you might need to plan something uh, that you're going to, before you get home, you're going to go park the car at a nearby field and take a walk. Or you're going to lie down in the grass if it's a nice day outside. And you're just going to let your mind wander about what a tough day it's been and what you're expecting when you get home and try to clear your mind out. You know, take even five minutes. And walk in the door with an open mind, a fresh mind, a mind that's ready to hear, God, what's it been like here today? And it's just such a different way to arrive home that that, that in itself might be. If you hear, in other words, that just I'm going on about that example, not because there's anything any more special about that example than 400 others, but it's kind of like whatever she brings up. Let her decompress about it. But once you start to get the details, find out what she would like to see change about you that would make a difference. And then assuming that there's a lot of things, ask her which are the most important ones that would mean the most to her if you were able to change them without making a promise at that point. And then I think write them down. I mean, get, write them down descriptively, not judgmentally, not saying she wants me to not be a jerk anymore. Write down she wants me to arrive and come in the door and actually be present and be not overburdened already before seeing seeing her because then it makes the end of her day really a harder end of the day. So that might be one you would write down and uh, she might want you to be more participatory. She might want you to be more engaged with the kids or with the maintenance of the house, with helping the dogs and the dishes, all these, you know, basic stuff in life that we all have to cope with or listen to her about her day or talk less or, or be more you know, camped or get ready when you're going to go out in a way that that looks nice for her and uh, remember things. Um, anyway, you, you really want to consider what her goals for you are. These are not your mandates. This is very important that you hear these things that she wishes were different about you, not as, well, now that you've heard them, you have to do them. That would be, you know, then you put yourself in a in a real bind if you think that. I would more think that once you hear the various things, these are candidates. These are possibilities for you as goals for trying to change something. And then you need to subject those possibilities to some questions. And they're questions I mentioned last time I went over the topic about finding a direction. What is a good set of goals? Well, one is that it's realistic. It's something you can change. She's asking you to, if she's asking you to do something that's not in your, you know, it's not in your equipment. You know, when I asked my wife to watch football games with me, uh, you know, I learned pretty quickly. It is not in her equipment to sit and watch and, and, and be able to actually even watch a football game. It's just, I grew up totally with that and she grew up totally not with that. And I realized, you know, it's not really realistic if I were asking her to change that. And there are things that she could ask me to change that would not be very realistic because we all have a nervous system. We all have a history. So you want to really listen to what she says and then think, you know, maybe I could change that one. Maybe I could do something about that. But another question you need to ask yourself, a second one after is it realistic, is is it compelling for you? Meaning, is it aligned with your values? Or is she asking you to do something that is really like so different than your, your values? that it's really going to be hard for you to do it. It's meaningless to you, or it's even worse than that. Um, so you want to consider, is, the, is this realistic, and is it, is it meaningful to me? Is this something that I can do, and it's in my values? It isn't like, 
I'm going to love doing all these things, but, but will this work? Is this something I can do? And the third thing is, is she being clear enough or specific and descriptive enough so I actually know what to do? Like if she says, well, show you love me. That's not specific enough. You know, I, I find it, well, at least as a man, I mean, I can be terrible at that. I can think I've showed showed my wife that I love her, and she missed it. <laughs> like, it's like different language. Um, I might do it by certain things I do or certain things I say, and it, but it isn't the same thing as it means that for her. So you really need to translate. Okay, I want, to sh- I want you to feel my love for you, but what would it take? I mean, how, how do you know? Would it be to bring you a flower every single day? Would it be to kiss you uh, at a certain moment of the day that's just right or send you a, a nice message? Would it, would it be to just sit with you? I mean, you really want to find something that's specific, behaviorally specific. And and I hate, hate to reduce uh, the whole concept of a relationship and romance to this, and I don't mean to be, because like I said, there's so many other parts to this. But I think these things are important if you're going to actually change something to get what it is and then be able to change something you can change, like how you walk in the door, you know, or how you uh, take care of certain things. And then the final thing is, so the first are, is it a realistic goal? Is it a compelling goal? Is it a clear and specific enough goal so you actually know what you need to do? And is it in some way collaborative, meaning you're not going to be totally alone? And by that, I mean this. Um, she may or may not be the partner that's going to be collaborative with this. She might be. She might say, look, if you try to do it, I will definitely work with you on that. I will remind you. I'll be patient. I'll be helpful. And you've got a partner, okay? It, it's, you have a collaborator. In it, but you might need a collaborator outside the relationship. You might need some confidant, some friend you talk to. I mean, it could be a therapist, but could be just a good friend that you say, hey, look, I want to use you for a few weeks as a good friend, asking you to do something unusual, which is really to be checking in with me and listening to me about this thing I'm trying to change in my marriage. And and, and then you've got kind of an, an accountability partner. Um, and that can help if you're not totally alone. Because this is hard. I mean, as much as I can say all these things, I think you're, if you're thinking about some of these things in your own relationships, you're, you're probably realizing... This is not easy. I mean, the things we ask of each other, you know, the things I ask my wife to do sometimes, the things she asks me to do sometimes are really not necessarily in our own strike zones. They aren't our natural habits. So you really have to decide, can I do this? Um, And then you try. So, um, all right. The next thing, that's I'll just say that about that, is the force. So you're, you've now determined a direction. Let's say, just for the sake of argument, that you've decided that you are going to leave your telephone, your, that, your, that your wife or partner or friend is annoyed that you are so obsessed from, that, from her point of view with your phone and uh, keeping up with things and keeping up with texts and emails and the news and, and everything that, you know, that we know that streams through our phones all the time is just so tempting. And you decide, you know, okay, um, this is something that actually I think is, is a good idea. It's just very hard for me to do, but I'm going to leave my phone somewhere for the evening and I'm not going to be responding to it until a certain time. Um, 
And so now you need to jump into this with both feet, with force, and realize, actually, this is not going to be as easy as that sounds. That's really, you know, because it's such a habit. It's like an addiction for many people. And so it's like, it's like putting aside an addiction. And then you'll be wondering, but why am I putting it aside? And where's my phone? And I'm feeling kind of bored sitting here. Where's my phone? Uh, or whatever it is. And, or, or you might not need a phone. You might just go into, into your deep recesses of your mind and be thinking about your future or thinking about your, what you're doing at work or some outside relationship. And then it's like you're gone anyway. So the idea is how do you stay there? How do you get in all the way, leave the phone aside, try to stay with things, and really do it as a 100% slam dunk. Um, even, and you have to be ready to do that even if you're in a funk, you're in a bad mood, you're annoyed, you're resentful. The question is, if you're trying to change things, uh, are you willing? It isn't, do you like it? Such a big deal. It, it doesn't have to be dependent on whether you like it or not. If you've decided, I'm going to do this, this is really important, and it's going to be a while to find out if it makes a difference. You really need to just... Just decide, I'm going to do this. It doesn't feel very romantic. Why do I have to do this? Such a hard thing. I thought love is supposed to be a great thing. And there you are slugging away. So I think that you, to have that kind of force, you have to uh, remind yourself um, that you care about the ultimate goal here. There's a reason you're doing this. You actually want to change something. You may need to remind yourself. And you may need to remind yourself that even though you're resentful or you're annoyed or things aren't going well right now, actually this is the person that you're with. This is the relationship that's going to determine your own happiness in the future. And unless you're deciding to leave this relationship, that's a different question. But if you're not deciding to do that, you know, it's going to be in your best interest without question to have things go better. Um, and, and you could even just remind yourself that actually as a dad, modeling things for your kids if you have kids around about how you handle life and presence present presence uh, p-r-e-s-e-n-c-e -E, um and and being there and being a certain kind of a husband or something it's uh, like that may be that may matter to you maybe it's that reason so you really need to keep your eye on the big 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 reason why you're doing what you're doing and then focus in on the small stuff that really is the manifestation of getting there. Next one, perseverance. You really need a plan once you're doing whatever these things are because we realize that the kind of things we're talking about are the hardest things in the world to change. They are habits. It's like rumination is hard to change. Habits are hard to change. And they're, because they're grounded in your history and they're grounded in your biology and they're grounded in your family dynamics that you came from, it's really hard to change these things. And you can change them, but it's hard. So you have to really have your eye on the ball. So you have to have a plan for keeping it up once you're going to be changing this, you know, staying on track. Because otherwise, these can be like New Year's resolutions. They can be very passionate on New Year's Eve. And they're in your mind of all the things you're going to change. And uh, by, by February 15th, it's forgotten. You know, and that's the way most of these things go. Um, but in fact, they aren't forgotten. If you made a commitment to arrive in the household a certain way or to put your phone away, and two weeks from now you're no longer doing that, believe me, it's noticeable and memorable. Um, and, and it isn't just like uh, even if somebody doesn't comment on it. So it's kind of like don't enter into it if you don't think you can do it. 
then it's unrealistic. If you really think, I cannot be without my phone for the evening for the X, Y, X, Y, or Z reason. Really try to be realistic. Don't sign on to something and then undo it because it was too hard. Uh, try to sign on to something that you can do and then really do it. Uh, that'll go better than, than taking on something that's a little bit outside your reach. Now, how to increase perseverance. Just giving a little thought about this kind of thing, like a re- in, a, in a relationship hell that you're in and you're trying to change, and how are you going to persevere? I do think that check-ins, some kind of scheduled check-ins, scheduled or unscheduled, but frequent enough check-ins with somebody. Um, Now, it could be the very person you're trying to change for and with. I mean, you could have a a meeting uh, every week at a certain designated time for 10 minutes and say, how am I doing? Give me some feedback. Did you notice that I'm changing? I'm trying really hard. I'm changing it. In, in myself, it feels different. The person might say, well, I can see that you're trying, but it actually isn't much different. And that can be very discouraging, but you need that feedback in order to figure out, uh, am I actually going to be able to change this? Because guess what? Um, the other person is the only arbiter of that. It isn't like there's a third party that's going to decide, no, you really are changing or that you're going to decide you are changing, because actually the only person that matters is the other one uh, in that respect, unless she's acting, asking something totally uh, outrageous and impossible, you know, and, and, is, and, is, and, and you really aren't accepting that. But in, you know, 95% of the time, even if you don't want to hear it, the other person is the, uh, is the one who knows uh, whether you're changing. Um, but you also could instead, when I mentioned somebody else being involved, you could have somebody else you're checking in with. I, I did this not very long ago with somebody where a friend, I just said, you know, I'm trying to make a certain change at home and I want to talk to you about it. And I, and I just want to ask, you know, if I can use you as like my, you know, person who helps me stay accountable and asks me about it so that I'm not just getting lost in my own little brain about it and and justifying what I'm thinking where whereas I'm missing something so you could do that you could be in a group of people and it's part of a group a group a self-help group or, or a group therapy or something like that a meditation group uh, where you're focused on this somehow um, and the other thing I think you need to do for perseverance well another thing is to monitor how you're doing keep track of it yourself as much as possible and then another reason why it's good to narrow in on t- just two or three things you're trying to change at a time and really focus on them and see if you're changing them and keep track of it. You know, put, put stars on a calendar or put something, you know, do something that keeps track of it over time. And then you'll start to see, wow, I've now done this differently for six consecutive weeks. And that's a big deal. Um, and then you're proud of yourself and, and hoping that this is really making a difference. And the other thing I was going to say with perseverance is to allow yourself time off recovery time, breathing room. You just can't be on all the time. So what I'm talking about makes it sound like this, just this endless uphill battle, but I, I really don't think it can be like that. Uh, so let me temper that with saying, no, you know, you, 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 sometimes you lose your, your grasp of it. Sometimes you let go of it. Sometimes you take a break, you take a vacation from it, and then you get back on. You know, if you have to find your pace and your, and your breathing, the things you need for other hard tasks in life oh I hope you can take all of this in I hope it's useful for somebody Um, 
the next thing I was, I'm doing this partly because it's useful for me actually to think of some things. But the next thing is the, the intelligence part where you're taking your big goal, what you're trying to do, and, you're, and then you're breaking it down into these small challenges that you've determined, directions you're determining to do, and then you're running into obstacles. And then it's just natural. And then you assess what interferes. So how do you assess it? I think we borrow this from, behave, from dialectical behavior therapy. It's really uh, to um, make a behavioral chain. Write it, write it out. S- write a script. Write a narrative. Gee, when I got home the other night, last night or tonight, here's what happened that led to trouble. I came in the door, and I was still thinking about a phone call I just got in the car before I came in. And I was still with that. And then I got in the door and my wife said, oh, my God, the toilet's overflowing. Or the kids just need some help right now with their homework. Or blah, 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 whatever it is. It's like, and, and then things went downhill from there. And you start to figure it out. And you figure out, oh, okay, here's where it went bad. Or here's the contributing variables. Here's what happened. And you do it step by step by step. So it's, it's much as you're feeling emotional about it, you stop and get systematic. And, and write out a narrative uh, or think through a narrative, but be systematic about it. Don't be afraid to be systematic uh, about it. Things don't, aren't just intuitive. Not everything is intuitive. And so you, 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 you wonder, what, 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 did, what did interfere? Did I forget what I was doing? Maybe you'll learn that. Or maybe you'll learn that um, what, what happened was that you felt a, a, a flash of annoyance and you, and you just let it out, you know, forgetting that if you let out annoyance on somebody who herself has just had a burdensome day, this is not going to go well. Or maybe there's judgments in your mind that you've decided, you know, I shouldn't have to do this. And so actually that was the controlling variable. That's the thing. And, and your mind ran away on you. Your old habits took over again. Whatever it is, whether it's emotions that you had or thoughts that you had or things that you didn't anticipate, it's like you try to get into the details. And I've learned, and I'm guessing this is true for some of you, that these little habit patterns that seem like they should be changeable, some of them are hooked on to very big deals, big underlying life issues, you know, psychodynamic issues, family dynamic issues habit patterns that go way back and that are very much more important to you than you think. And so then you discover that and think, whoa, uh-oh, this is the tip of the iceberg. This is a big deal. It's not easy for me to just, like in my case, to just suddenly, quickly be related. I'm used to being alone a lot and, and thinking and, 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 and recovering and, and thinking about stuff. And, and, and then if I'm just sort of there and I'm supposed to just be present, sometimes that's hard for me. I need to build in ways to do that. Um, it's sort of a way I operate. Um, but you know what? None of this is useful if you think you just have to be the way you are. The whole point is to make things actually different. Um, and um, um, like, for instance, some, there's a person I'm working with right now who's trying to make certain changes like I'm talking about. And he craves for success at work. He will work his butt off to get to do something well and to get a word of praise and to get recognized. 
uh, and it's part of his ambitions. It has very deep roots. It has roots that go back into his family life, and without going into those details, you know, it's a very big deal, and, and it leads to, um, to the majority of his attention going into these kinds of things, when in fact he's got this other human being on the path with him who doesn't want to spend all of her days uh, sort of supporting him for trying to be successful at work. I mean, she's got a certain amount she can do that. but And, and so you start to find out some of these are big deals. They're going to require a lot of careful thought and, and seeing if you can change something bigger than you thought you were going to have to change. Uh, or if you just decide, you know what, this is huge. You know, this is not going to be easy to change. I, I need to get help to change this. Uh, I need my, my spouse to understand that I'm trying, but this is a hard one. Uh, or something like that, um, where you really uh, don't deny the magnitude of what you're trying to change. And the last of the five principles is, is about technique or skills or, or means. As I said, it's basically learning to do what's needed. I mean, in that, you don't know what that's going to be at first necessarily. But, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of, I, part of my work in my therapy is uh, with couples and with families as well as with individuals and with kids or, or teenagers anyway. And, you know, there's a lot of people in couples, as you guys know, where one of the members, sometimes both, but often one member, is not a very good listener in terms of really listening carefully to the other person and validating what they just said. And I've worked deliberately on that with a number of, of couples and families, and it really can make a difference. And the person doesn't, doesn't even realize. They've gone through 37 years, and they've never realized that they actually don't know what it is to just listen to the other person without it being clouded by their own judgments and their own thoughts. And just listen and say, oh, my God, that's how you think of it. Or, boy, that sounds really difficult. I didn't realize you were going through it. And all of a sudden, the relationship's different when you can. So sometimes it's just learning. Sometimes you're being blocked, not because of any big, big deal, but because you just don't know the skill of how to listen to another person and give them feedback or to how to say without being demeaning that you want something from them or without being too sheepish, that it's okay to ask. So it's these kind of skillful things, but these are the things you need to figure out. Well, gee, I... I'm supposed to try to do this, but I'm not very good at it. How am I going to find this? How am I going to figure out how to do this? And then you, then you need some direction about uh, getting some help with that. So I have to say about this podcast, um, for me, um, I've, I've found it useful to prepare for this one, just thinking today about it, and then because it's so relevant to me. Um, I hope it's relevant to some of you. I'd love to hear any feedback. And uh, another thing, every time I enter into a podcast, it's so, this is totally, you, know, you can hang up. This is just a stupid comment that I'm going to make. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the topic I just was talking about. It's just that um, I always worry, will there be enough to say to be an hour? And then I think, well, if there isn't, we'll just stop early. It's not like anybody's, uh, there's nobody watching that. I mean, there's no, there's, I don't have a boss which is really wonderful. But um, I realized that here we are again, uh, as they would say on Car Talk, you've now just killed another perfectly good hour listening to me. And uh, I, hope, I hope there's something in it that made it worthwhile. And um, I am going to continue next week, and I'm probably going to be jumping into the parallel, the, uh, the five 
principles of acceptance and try to talk to them, talk to you about them in some some way that involves some examples that uh, of being in and out of hell. Um, so uh, have a really good week. And uh, those of you who are in the Northeast, if you're in the snowstorm, be safe. And um, I'll be on the phone uh, doing this again uh, next week for anybody who wants to listen. Okay. Bye-bye.